Hello, everyone, and welcome. Mark Vandermeer with you with John Harris. It is the program that keeps you up to date on your Houston Texans. We talk a variety of Texans topics, a cornucopia of Texans topics here on Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio at NRG Stadium. How's it going, Johnny? That is a really good word. Cornucopia. Smorgasbord. Smorgasbord. That's a little one. It's harder to say. Yeah, it's kind of an East Coast thing, too. So so how do you say the last name mm-hmm. of the gentleman who won the most outstanding player last night for Villanova? How do you say that? Uh, Is it Divin, DiVincenzo or DiVincenzo? Uh, I don't know. Or it depends I don't on... have the phonetical pronunciation guide in front of me, and I yeah. wasn't announcing the game. So I don't know. I'm going to call Kevin Kugler right now because yeah. he called it on national radio, and he, he calls our preseason games on television. And I love him. He's great. I hear him all job. the time doing games. Yeah. I'll be getting in the car. We went to Galveston uh, the week of the Elite Eight. I think he had to do Kansas game, I think. Mm-hmm. He had all kind. He had some really good games, and he does a good job on our preseason for sure. He does. He's a total pro. He does Big Ten Network as well, and he does NFL Sunday Night Football on national radio. And uh, Kugler, I just think he's tremendous. And a lot of people ask me, well, why don't you guys do the preseason TV? It's all my fault, okay? I told Andre, and Andre and I don't want to separate, first of all. And I told Andre, I will not let go of that radio microphone. <laughs> I just will not do it. It's like somebody sleeping in my bedroom. It's not going to happen. No. Not getting out of that radio booth. Sorry. I, I like listening to the preseason uh, games when we get on a get on a plane that's on NFL Game Pass or next day or whatever the case might be and listen to our I will never put on the the opposing teams but I think they put on the home teams broadcast on NFL Game Pass yeah they do and so uh, for the home games you get a chance to listen to Kugler I mean he's I think he's fantastic I think he and Spencer and Drew do a great job on the TV mm-hmm. um, but. He's he's great. He's but, tremendous. But during the regular season, we promote turn down the sound and listen yes, to us. Darn absolutely. it. Just do it. All right, yes. we have a lot to go over tonight. All right, one thing I wanted to do tonight is Texans depth chart as we see it right now without having the draft. Without, and listen, this this will be interesting if they draft somebody who's a starter, right? That's a good question. Mm. Johnny, yes mm. or no? They draft a player who will start for them opening day. Oh, that's now start opening day. No, but I think. Oh, well, eventually, you know, you know, well, yeah, eventually. Well, well, think about it. Think about it. This this twenty seventeen. Mm-hmm. What rookie started? Twenty seventeen. What rookie started opening day? Sean Watson. No. Zach Cunningham. No. no. Deontay Foreman. No. Julian mm. Davenport. No. Dylan Cole. No. Thank you very much. That's pretty good. So I, and I think this roster is even. More, I don't know, more loaded at that point. Mm-hmm. But I, okay, here's a better question. Okay. If you are going to have a rookie that does start. Where is it? Where? What and is, is it out of need or the rookie rises up and beats everybody else out? Or when I say right. need, I mean people Injuries, get hurt. Yeah. People don't play as well right. as you want. Right. Uh, is it could be a, could it be an offensive lineman that they draft in the third round? I would think not. Now, let's go there. We're going to start right there on the offensive line because if you draft a left tackle in the third round, we're all we're all presuming they do that with right. one of those three third round draft choices. And again, yep. moving up is still a very good possibility. Sure, but we're all presuming they do that. Draft a left tackle with one of those third round draft choices. Does the guy start? Probably not, unless he's unbelievable and everybody else either gets hurt or is right. really disappointing. Here's the way that I look at this. Who, at left tackle in particular, mm-hmm. and I went back and I watched the Steelers and Colts games, 
and watch Julian play left tackle. And I've told you this off the air, but and I've said it on the air in, in other shows, I felt like if you're watching those five and I said, okay, point out the rookie in that group, you would not point him out. You would say, okay, there's five guys up there, point out the rookie. You would not point him out. Now, he wasn't perfect. But right. he was facing Jabal Sheard. I thought he did a pretty good job on Sheard. He faced T.J. Watt. I thought he did a pretty good job on T.J. And, look, there were some things that broke down a little bit. Sometimes when T.J. would just want to turn and burn the corner, his technique would break down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Whereas you get so used to seeing Dwayne and how easily Dwayne handled certain things. But then you realize this guy last played against VMI. And now you see him against the Steelers. You see him against the Colts. Here's the question to me. And I think this is the way, and, and I'd be I'd be curious to to ask Brian Gain and Bill O'Brien this question: when you're assessing a when you're assessing a rookie, I would imagine there are certain things you want to you want to look at. Right now, is he better than anybody we have? Right. In a year, will he be better than anybody we have? In three or four years, is he going to be better than anybody we could potentially have at that point? Now, projecting that gets a little bit tougher, but to me, Julian Davenport. At left tackle versus what's coming in to the to the league, Julian's better at left tackle than any of them because obviously he knows the system. He plays left tackle. He's got the assets you're looking for in left tackle. And if he takes that year one to year two jump, he's going to be the better option at left tackle seemingly than you would with a rookie. So I don't think left tackle is where a rookie's going to start. I know you could answer this by saying that's a good question for Coach O'Brien. But answer it anyway. O'Brien. You be Coach O'Brien. What can and is perhaps Julian Davenport working on right now? Because he can't be coached right now. But what can he work on right now to get himself ready for this opportunity? Specifically, I think it is there, – there are two things that I think that he really needs to improve. Number one, upper body strength. Because so there you were can times, do that without coaching. There, yeah, absolutely. The other thing is getting comfortable – with using his length, and that starts with his feet. I think his footwork was good, but it could get even better because there were some times when he would get speed, like TJ would want TJ Watt would want to beat him with speed and just literally try and run around him. Well, the thing about it is those guys end up getting into a lot of trouble because even if it looks like he's beat, he reaches out there with an arm, and you're three and a half feet away from the quarterback. Yeah. So that's the one thing. If he can clean up his feet, now all of a sudden those guys are not even sniffing the quarterback at that particular point. But that's easier so, said than done. No, no, no. I understand. But that's going to be something that over time he has to get better, but he has to improve that. I think – How do you work on your feet as an offensive lineman in the offseason? Yeah, I mean, do you know, jump rope, do uh, rope drills. How about basketball stuff? Basketball stuff, which is something that he did before. I kind of see Gene Hackman and Hoosiers and, like, hold up the hand and do the sliding stuff. Yeah, I mean, just keep getting comfortable with his his kickstart, his punch, all that kind of stuff, but just doing things a little bit faster. Um, and when he's in the offseason, I don't know who he's working out with, but whoever he's working out with, I hope he just takes the fastest guy over there and says – you know, when you go, I'm going to go and make it really difficult because those are some of the things he can work on. But to me, upper body strength is a big one. But then continuing to work on his feet and his technique such that within two, three steps, that speed guy is not threatening him to have to just all of a sudden turn and run out to the, to the rusher. Dwayne was so good with that. Dwayne could take his steps, and even though there was speed coming, he never broke technique. His mm-hmm. technique was so good. But that took time. And I think with Julian, it will. It'll take some time, but I think it'll be even better from year one to year two. But I think upper body strength and then just continuing to work on his feet 
so that his body is in position to make the blocks to a you know uh, if the guy wants to counter back inside that he's able to slide with him and do those things. I think Julian has got a whale of potential. I do think drafting a left tackle or drafting a tackle in this draft absolutely without question do it. But I just feel like the guys that you would be drafting for that particular role, you're not you're not going to draft a, even. They're just the left tackles that you look at and say that guy is definitively better right now. No matter what guy, what tackle is in this draft, he is definitively better than Julian Davenport down the road. Might he be? Yeah, maybe. But I don't even know that you can make that case. You're not looking at Orlando Pace or Walter Jones or Tony Bissell. You're not looking right. at those guys. You're looking at a guy who's going to be a project, Absolutely. if you will, for lack of a better All word. All of them are going to be projects. And we're not going to spend as much time on the entire depth chart as we spent on this particular position, but it's such an important position. Right, right. And it's a very it's a position with a big question mark on it right Well, now. watch this one. Quarterback, Watson. Okay, next. Yeah. <laughs> really? Wide, wide you receiver. Think so, huh? Wide receiver, DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller. Okay, next. Yeah. Slot receiver. I mean, Bruce. it's it's Ellington right now. Yeah. Now, Sammy Coates is not a slot receiver, right? No. He's a Sammy's, fourth guy. Yeah, he's, he's kind of battling for a fourth spot on this team, correct? He's, he's a turn and burn. You throw it deep, that's your guy. Yeah. He Braxton is that kind of Miller guy. and Ellington would be the guys right now. And Tyler Irvin, depending on where you want to classify Tyler. Running back, slot. I you mean, you are hanging on to Tyler Irvin. Not that I don't want to, but no, as I'm a wide receiver. You always bring him up as a wide receiver and he's listed as a running back, but I get where you're coming from. He's yeah. versatile. Boy, he would have come in handy in that Titans game. Oh, there's no where question. Where you were without anybody, and Andre no, Ellington's playing slot no receiver question. for you. No question. But to me, out of all of them, bringing back Bruce I think was huge. Now, Bruce has to stay healthy. Bruce, Bruce came into the league in 2014. He has not had a healthy year since I got to tell you this, he's other healthy. than DeAndre, the entire wide receiver core has that issue. Yeah, Braxton's point. had the issue. Will God, Fuller, remember training camp? Oh my gosh! Yeah. I mean, you it was gotta, like, who's coming in next? Right, and you know, it kind of worked worked out. It didn't really work out, but at least you found Ellington out of that. Yeah. And you know, it was interesting. Some of the guys they brought in that kind of gave us something to talk about during training camp, but they never really materialized. We'll see. All right, DeAndre White is another one that comes to yep. mind as a guy who came in during training camp. Then he got hurt promptly. It's too bad after a couple of really nice days of practice. Rest of the O-line, though, let's go center. Ooh. I'm going to presume it's Nick Martin right now. Yeah. Could be Zach Fulton. Could be. And they move Martin to guard. But let's just say it's Martin, and Fulton plays left guard as we see it right now. Wouldn't you say? I would say those are two of the three of the interior positions, and then I think there ends up being a competition for the third between Jeff Allen and Senio Calamete. I think it's going to be one of those two. for the Bill O'Brien was really complimentary of Senio Calamete last week at the owners' meetings. I mean, he I mean, went out he of his walked, way to say some nice things about when it. When he walked in here, Mark, he's a – well, first of all, we had just gotten done with Chantrell. Right. And when Chantrell walks in a room, everybody is going to dwarf by yeah, comparison. Yeah, I mean, Andre the Giant walks in. You're like, eh. I mean, Senio, I think, is listed at 6'3". And I think – I mean, I'm not going to argue with that. I mean, he's listed at 6'3". I think he's 6'3". But what stood out to me was he his arms his he's barrel chested, I mean it was just he had a t shirt short sleeve t shirt on and he just filled it out but his forearms and his arms were just massive and I thought that's what I'd like my guards to look like yeah kind of not fire plug looking guys but guys that you know have got some serious upper body strength and he's got that and he's a pretty good athlete he moves very very well I watched the playoff game against the Vikings it was not it was not the cleanest game I think there are some things that Senio is going to have to clean up he is he gets very aggressive even in pass protection he is not one to step back away from a lot of scrimmage he wants to quick set and get into guys very quickly and use his strength so he's got some things that he's got to work on but 
I think Senio and Jeff end up uh, battling for that that guard spot, and and then trying to find where does Jeff where does Jeff Allen fit? Maybe maybe this is the time to move up the right tackle. Maybe he competes with Chantrell. Maybe he's odd man out. I don't know. But uh, Kyle Fuller, how does Kyle Fuller play into this mix too? Second year former center, yeah. I guess he's center guard. Where does he kind of fit in this mix? Because I know. I know that Bill O'Brien at some point in training camp liked him. Again, last year was up and down with health. He'd be mm. the third tight end or the second tight end. Uh, I'm sorry, the, the sixth offensive lineman. Sometimes he's the first tight end. Um, yeah. And he would have to go out there uh, and play at tight end. So I think he's got some potential. But I still think they're going to come out of this draft. They came out of free agency with what? Kelamete, Henderson, Fulton. Right. right, those three. I still think they draft two other players to add to this mix. Well, and they'll bring in the undrafted class. And the undrafted And that'll have like two or three at least yep. guys. At least. Additionally. So you have a big crop there. I think in the interior positions, I feel really good about what they have. With all those numbers, something's bound to work yep. out. You feel pretty good about that. But you're right. At right guard, Jeff Allen, Sergio Calamete. Maybe Quesenberry comes around. Yeah. Maybe Fulton. I mean, uh, Fuller. Who knows? Like you said. One other stat on Kelamete I like to bring up. He started nine games for the Saints last year. You mentioned the game against the Vikings, right? Yeah, the last playoff But game. nine games in the regular season for a Saints team that was 4.7 running the football, 4.7 yards per carry. That's number one in the league. Yep. So that says something about Absolutely. what that line was doing. He started nine of those games, and he must have done something good. What did you think about, because you were there, you saw it, when Bill O'Brien mentioned the fact that there could be – there could be four or more new starters on the offensive line. Yeah, what do you think about that? That that was pretty interesting because you know obviously you look at Nick Martin as a lock, right? Okay, and then everybody else is in play, right? I mean everybody else is in play. Yeah. Martin's going to start at either center or guard. That's it. I mean he's right. going to start. So I'm not surprised really because Julian is hardly a lock, although right. he's a lock right now right. at left tackle and then right tackle. I mean, is Derek Newton coming back? Does Chantrell Henderson work out for you? Right. Do you have to do something else? And we talked about the rest of the interior guys. All right, let's go to tight end here. No surprise here. Ryan Griffin's going to start for you. That's if they play this weekend, the old if they play this weekend. We're doing Texans depth chart tonight. Mm-hmm. And he'll be backed up by Steven Anderson. Zach Conk is around. Look, they're going to do some other things at tight end. We'll get to all this stuff, including the defense. That's next. It's Texans All Access. We do this about once a month in the offseason, and with free agency in the rearview mirror, time to do it again. It's Texans All Access, by the way, here from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Mark Vandermeer, John Harris with you. Texans depth chart. If they played this weekend and everybody was healthy, we had to say that. Yeah, okay? of course. If everybody's healthy because, uh, you know, not everybody's ready to take the field just yet. But we did the offensive side of the ball with Deshaun Watson, of course, starting at quarterback. We said Julio Davenport would start at left tackle. We don't think any draft choice is going to start opening day unless people really get hurt or people don't work out or some rookie drafted in the third round or later is unbelievable and rises to the top, which is unlikely, but you never know. It's a strange league. So along that D-line, Johnny, no surprise here. And we talked about this when we did this last time about a month ago. On the D-line, obviously, Reader and Watt, but is Clowney going to be an outside linebacker or a defensive end for you? I think that ends up being situational, to, not to not to beg out of the conversation, but I think J.D. is completely disruptive no matter where he lines up, so defensive end or not. I think what you do have up front, whether it's – I think a guy that really has to stay healthy this year can really help this ball club, and you could see it at times last year when he was healthy, and that's Joel Heath. 
Joel's got to stay healthy. I think Joel has come a long way from the time he was an undrafted free agent. And I think back, why didn't he not get drafted? But, man, he has flashes. Holy smokes. I remember the first play against the Saints in team practice when we went to New Orleans right before Harvey. And the very first play, he shot in the backfield. He beat a tackle or tight end, and I was like, he was in the backfield like that in a snap. I think Joel Heath has got to stay healthy. I think he's a big factor. Then you talk about Angelo Blackson. You're talking about Christian Covington. You mentioned Reader. You got some guys up front that you've got some depth, and you got some guys that have made some plays over the years that I think can. I think that's defensive line. I feel really good about it. The linebackers, I feel good about. I just worry about the depth there mm-hmm. across the board with linebacker, and that might be why you move JD outside. Because you feel a little bit better about your defensive line depth. But outside, especially outside linebacker, you know, Witt's coming back. you got Brent Scarlett, who I think took some steps after that. And I know we've talked about this before. Fama Kamalu. Fama Kamalu. And even at that point, you're talking about three guys. Yeah. But what about inside? Again, three guys you're talking about. We're, we're mentioning Zach Cunningham and Bernardrick McKinney as your starters. And then obviously Dylan Cole becomes the third guy. But to me, that's where you, I think the linebacker spot needs some depth. And you'll get that in the draft, maybe. Right. Undrafted free agents, that's where Dylan Cole came from after yep. all last year. And maybe you bring in a veteran if you need it. Injuries dictate that sometimes. Yeah, sign Josh Keys. Yep. So he comes in into the mix. You re-sign Brian Peters, and we know Brian obviously is going to be huge on special teams. And with as much nickel and dime that are played, I don't lose as much sleep over how you re- how you configure the inside linebackers. You're not playing a four three in a running league anymore. You're essentially playing nickel or dime seventy percent of the time. So I'm not going to lose too much sleep over it. But it's those inside linebackers that end up having to run down on special teams that you absolutely need to have around. Now in the secondary, as we're doing Texans depth chart tonight, we do this from time to time. In the secondary, I brought this up when they signed not only Aaron Colvin, but really it was the honey badger that took it over the top, Tyron right. Matthew. Right. When you have six guys there in a nickel, if you have everybody healthy, somebody's getting voted off the island when you have six available for that nickel. And the sixth are, the six players are, Jonathan Joseph, Kareem Jackson, Kevin Johnson, Aaron Colvin, Andre Howell, and Tyron Matthew. Yeah. So if you play nickel, maybe Howell's off the field. Maybe it's Kareem. Maybe it's J.J. Yep. I don't know. But if everybody's healthy, somebody's not on the field in a nickel situation, which I find very comforting in a way when you look at the potential depth here with health. I think at, it'll be interesting to see where Colvin lines up when they go nickel and dime. The nice thing about it, I think, you know, J. Joe's always J. Joe's always played outside and covered outside. I'm trying to think if he's ever gone in the slot. He's always been on the outside. And I think Kevin's always been on the outside. I can see a situation, whether it's man or zone or pattern match or whatever they're doing, where when they do go nickel, I think Colvin goes inside and maybe the safeties become Tyron and and Andre or Tyron and Kareem or however they're going to reconfigure that. But I just think Kevin and J.J. are probably better served being on the outside. But the thing about it is if Colvin can play outside, then you can you – can, I don't want to limit – I guess maybe that's the right word to it. You can limit the amount of reps J.J. has to take. I think last year, J.J. had to take a lot more reps than maybe they had wanted him to take. Right. Feeling like, okay, we got Kevin Johnson, we've got Joseph, we know we can put Kareem out there. Hey, J.J. doesn't have to play every play. Well, in this configuration, he doesn't have to play every play, and I think that's good. I think keeping J.J.'s reps to a point where he's not out there 70 plays a game 
where he's out there maybe 30 to 35, and they've got some sort of rotation going at corner. That's why I think finding a young corner with speed, skills, and outside coverability is still, I think, a need because the more guys that you have, the more those guys are staying fresh. Those guys are on the field, and like we just said, nickel and dime. You're on the you're on the you're on the field with corners so much. I mean, teams are not just well. We got to just get a shutdown guy. No, no, no. You need three and four corners nowadays to be successful on defense. That's why the Rams. I don't got to keep to leave and Marcus Peters. They got both of them because they felt like they needed to be not just let's be good with one guy. Let's be good with three or four. And so that's why I think they'll maybe they go to the well and get one corner, maybe even two. Have they done anything this offseason that changes your mind or affects your opinion on where they're going to be with return guys? As far as kickoff, punt returns, Will Fuller, boy, I feel not so hot about that, especially after seeing Braxton Miller get hurt in the, what, the Tennessee game, Tennessee game, returning a punt. And I know you can't live your life that way. I mean, right. a lot of guys have returned punts for years without getting hurt. It's just so weird. And here's another sidebar to all this. All the kickoff talk about the possibility of eliminating the kickoff. I don't know where you are on this. What I find interesting about kickoff collisions is with all the data you have, you have to determine how many of the collisions that cause injury are away from the ball. Because to me, that's a big problem. If you get hurt with the ball, it's somewhat different to me than if you get hurt without the ball in your hands. Isn't it? I I just think it is because – You mean the guy on kickoff team – you know, kickoff return teams are set up. There'll be like five or six guys up front, and then that guy, when the ball is kicked, goes and runs and goes and knocks out. A, yeah, just knocks out. Just a, goes a and knocks. I mean, that's yeah. the kind of thing. Or a to blocker me that, knocks somebody on their keister, as they used yeah. to say, and all of a sudden he's injured. To me, when you get hurt with the ball, it's like the sacrifice. I'm not saying it's worth it necessarily, right. but you were trying to make an extreme play. Now, yeah. offensive linemen get hurt all the time without the ball. And I, I get all that. Well, that but happened. in a kickoff play, is it really worth the excitement, I'll put it in air quotes, of a kickoff to risk the amount of injuries you're having? They have to determine that based yeah. on the data they have. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the one thing about yeah, I think you're right. I think there are a lot of injuries. Remember Corey Moore in the Chiefs game? Uh, in the Chiefs game here. In the Sunday Chiefs night. game here on Sunday night. Akeem Hunt, playing for the the Chiefs, came from the other side of the field and just Corey's running down, and then here comes Akeem and just never saw him, and just lit him up, and Corey was out for the rest of the game. Those are the kind of things that, to me, you know, I I just think that there are some things the NFL just, when they have to go back and look at kickoff, there's there's some things that maybe they, you know, remember there's, what, two, three years ago they outlawed the four guys? Yeah, that could stand together. Okay, you can't have a wedge of four guys now. Yeah. I think you can only do two guys. Things like that. I think that's helped. They've got mm-hmm. to continue to do things like that. They looked at a strategic component and said, okay, we're not going to allow that because that's where we're seeing some guys get injured. They got to continue to look at it. But that's one of them. I mean, you, I mean, look, kickoff is just a it's a violent, dangerous play. That said, as far as a as far as a return guy, and and to that to that point, I think kickoffs get kind of creative. I mean, we've seen Belichick. He said on the sidelines that night on Thursday night, he said, no, 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 force them to run it back, kick it in the corner, out of yep. the end zone, not in the end zone, but outside of the end zone, in the field of play, and make them. So the, the kickoff returner is more important than I thought it was going to be a couple of years ago with that rule. But to me, the punt returner, you mentioned it. Will, I don't feel comfortable with Will back there. I just I just don't like it. Well, you just don't like risking his great playmaking I know, I know. ability to get you an extra 10 yards. Because I know, I know he's going to pop one every once in a while. And maybe the average would be better than another return man. 
And the way they're punting it, by the way. I mean, how many of these get returned anyway? Oh, it's ridiculous. You know? So do I really want to risk Fuller for that when no. I could have Fuller available on offense to do all sorts of beautiful things with Deshaun Watson? So in-house, mm-hmm. Bruce, Braxton, yeah. Tyler Irving went healthy. Mm-hmm. Either I've said all along, I think Tyler ends up being is, is a big-time hit-the-juice return guy. But last year against the Titans – that's he ended up getting hurt on a re, I think it was no it was not a return it was on a it was on a kickoff he, or kickoff or punt he was on covering he ended up getting hurt on on coverage on coverage not yeah, on it a was return. not on the return but I I still think Tyler that's a job that Tyler could make his own I've always felt that way I just you know rookie year I think he kind of got over some some hills and some valleys and kind of worked his way through it. I think he was on the way of, on his way to doing that last year, kind of making that year one, year two, and then he ended up getting hurt in the Tennessee game, and Will had to go in. But to me, that's that's um, I think that's something that they'll look at in this draft, whether it's hey, a guy plays corner, but he can also return punts or kicks. Hey, throw him back there, get him into the competition. You know that I do think of all the places where you could have a rookie. I think that's one place where you could have one in punt return. Here's here's the blocking. Here's what you're going to do. Brad Sealy and Tracy Smith will set it up, and the rookie just goes on instinct at that point, doesn't know any better. So I do think that could be a spot where a rookie ends up returning. All right, so that's your Texans depth chart. If you missed anything, tough. Actually, it'll be on the podcast on TexansRadio.com, HoustonTexans.com. We'll have it up there for you a little bit later on. Now let's do this. Just a few minutes left here, Johnny, in this segment, and then we'll get D.B. Sidhu in here. But I don't believe you when you say that you're – Definitely done coaching for good because if Dave Shula can come back and coach again, I don't know. I don't know. He's I been out he, since 96. 22 years after 96. the Bengals fire him. And I know Dave. I don't know Dave, but I've met him a few right, times right, right. in South Florida. He runs Shula's Steakhouse. He did. The whole chain. Yep. I don't know if they've sold. I don't know what's going on with that business, but they're nice. Yeah. And Dave Shula was the guy in charge of the Shula Steakhouse Enterprise, if you will. And they've expanded all. There's one here. They've expanded all over the country. Mm-hmm. But now he's at Dartmouth as wide receivers coach. He's at his alma mater as wide receivers coach. Wow. And it's like it feels like a retirement job for him, but he he's passionate, wants to get back involved. Well, what is he? Uh, it was in the early. It was late seventies, early. 80s, I believe he was at Dartmouth. So we're talking about 50. All right, so it's not retirement. Seven, job. 58. But maybe he just wants to simplify life living in, what yeah. is it, Hanover, New Hampshire. It's in the woods. I know you've been up there. Yeah, I've been up there. And it, the, the one time I was up there, it was the coldest game I ever played in 1993, November of 1993 in Hanover, New Hampshire. And the quarterback we played against was Jay Fiedler. No. Yes, Jay Fiedler was my class. Jay Fiedler went to freshman. Dartmouth yeah. and was a good co- – he was pretty good for the Dolphins. Yep. He wasn't Dan Marino. And that he, was his problem. He should have gone somewhere big, but he hurt his knee as a senior in high school. And because he did that, teams kind of scattered in one other places. And it's a little bit different than now where he might have been committed or even signed early, and then he, he ended up getting hurt. He might have, and so won, he lost the all his la- he might have won the last playoff game for the Dolphins. I think you're right. I think that's it was who we a, played against. An overtime victory against the Colts, I believe, was the last playoff. Win. I had one of my best games against him as a freshman. Against him, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, against Jay Fiedler. So he was, he was now that day as as a senior. I mean, I was in the locker room. I mean, look, I'm from Texas. I was looking for every long underwear. Now this is before <laughs> Under Armour, right? So this was like just get out the Fruit of the Loom long underwear. How many of them can I get on? How many of them fit underneath my shoulder pads? Can I tape up my ear holes? 
I was absolutely miserable. Hand warmers, it was, oh, I went down on a kickoff and made a tackle, and when I hit the guy, I felt like I was going to break in half. <laughs> I felt brittle. It was awful. Get on the bus to go home, and right when I got on the bus, it starts snowing. And mm. we haven't left yet, and it's coming down. And so we got to drive from Hanover, New Hampshire, on these two-lane roads all the way back to Providence, and I'm scared for my life. Was OB on that team, or was he done already? He was coaching that team. He was, he was coaching. He was, our, he was one of our graduates. Oh, we got to bring this up with him. Yeah, I don't know if he'll remember that because it was not a memorable day. Well, that's for sure. And the cold weather. I mean, it's all you cold know, weather. He's, yeah, he's from up there, yeah. so well, he, it doesn't he, affect him anymore. Yeah, he, yeah, he's not. He probably wasn't phased by it. He probably was in short sleeves. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't put it past him, but me, I was wrapped up. And a few of my friends from Texas were the same way. We were like huddled in the corner, going, "All right, how much stuff you got? You got enough stuff?" Go 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 see our our uh, equipment guy. Go see <laughs> go see Ray and see if he can get you stuff because we were hurting. It was bad. Well, we have to do a show on other jobs coaches can have because if Dave Shula can run a steakhouse for twenty two years, a steakhouse chain, I wonder what O'Brien could do. Now we're not going to talk about that today, Johnny. Thanks a lot. You got it, Mark. DP Sidhu coming up. Let's talk about what your Houston Texans are up to out and about. It's Texans All Access. As we move along on the program here, from inside NRG Stadium, the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio, Mark Vandermeer with you. Joined now by D.P. Sidhu, with D.P. Sidhu. What's going on, D.P.? With me and uh, on the air with you, yes. Yes, again. Again. I'm here for with you For the first again. time in a long time. You and I haven't been on the air together for a while. No, I feel like I'm usually on with Johnny, mm-hmm. and you just never invite me. So is that, maybe, is that the maybe, problem? maybe okay. you need to invite me some yeah, more. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I don't know. Or maybe Johnny's hogging all the guest host airtime during nights when I do the show because we kind of alternate. Anyway, we'll you got, get to it You have it a pretty all. busy week. You get McLean on Thursday, so, you know. That's I, very important. Yeah, he's very important. It's true. Yes. Okay, so, yeah, you do a good John McLean Not impression, really. I think. <laughs> you know, it's funny because offseason we have, of course, the Super Bowl, unless you're in it. It's an offseason event for – 30 NFL teams, <laughs> and then you have the combine, you have free agency, you have the owners' meetings, and then the players get back. So what's the deal with this now? Because I think we have some dates finally. We finally have some dates. The NFL released all their dates now. Of course, they're subject to change. The clubs are allowed to change their dates. But for the most part, players will return April 16th here at NRG Stadium. A lot of teams start their off-season workout program next Monday, the 9th, mm. and that's for teams with new head coaches. So the new head coaches get a little bit of a jump start right. on the off-season workouts. Bill O'Brien, obviously, this is going to be his fifth OTAs and off-season workout, so we're going to start on April 16th. And that'll be the first day players report back to the building. We see a few of them around the building anyway because they were rehabbing. Uh, so I don't think many of them have strayed too far, but they'll be officially back on April 16th. And then it'll be, be three phases of the off-season workout. I feel like we talk about this every year, but just to – Refresh your memory. Well, because people always need to know what OTAs stands for, and they want to know what the schedule is, so it's fine. Organized team activities. Mm -hmm. So OTAs actually don't start till May 21st. That's when phase three begins, and you get nine different workouts. Get actual team stuff. You get you get some team stuff. You have ten day, actually you have ten days of total OTA activity, no live contact, but you can do seven on seven and nine on seven, and some eleven on eleven drills mm-hmm. are permitted. So that's I guess the fun stuff. Although what is, what is, what does everybody call it? A quarterback passing camp. Right? A lot of teams used to call it quarterback school. It's not like what Bill O'Brien calls the combine, which is the pajama Olympics, or a lot of guys <laughs> Underwear call it Olympics, that. yes. The underwear Olympics. Yeah, I think that's it. But uh, in OTAs, you have no pads, really, so you can't hit. 
But you do get a sense of what's going on with the passing game, which is good. I think the old linemen and this old line needs chemistry. Yeah. They 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 uh, they'll get to learn the choreography of things. But Bill O'Brien acknowledged last week that it's going to be a challenge for them to uh, develop chemistry the way they need to in a physical sense during this OTA session. But at least they'll get to know each other, work together a little bit in whatever way they can, and then they get to the Greenbrier, put the pads on, and go from there. I think phase one's really important for a lot of these free agents to sort of get in the building and just just even to know where the meeting rooms are, what Mm -hmm. the workout rooms are, to get to know each other. You know, a few of them are back in the city, but a lot of them, you know, a lot of, of guys just travel. In the off season, but that being said, mm-hmm. this is all voluntary. It's all voluntary. It's you don't all even voluntary. Have to be here. You don't have to be here, but generally, everybody shows up. The only mandatory part is the mandatory mini camp that that'll be June twelfth through the fourteenth. That's the only mandatory part of the off season workout program. So, if you're a vet, I mean, the vets show up also. Very rarely do you have like what's called a. It's not really a holdout. It's just a no show for these kinds of things. You know, very often it's just. They don't want to be here for whatever reason. Maybe sometimes it is a holdout. I know we had that situation occur last year. They didn't technically call it a holdout with Dwayne Brown. But uh, guys are here because, they look, they want to be together. They know it's important to be together to gel for the season. And after a while, aren't you just tired of, like, not coming in? I mean, what what do the retired players say that they miss the most when they're away from the, the camaraderie. Game. The camaraderie. Just being in the locker room, being around the guys, joking around in the meeting rooms. I think a lot of it is these guys are working out anyway on their own. Mm-hmm. So it probably gets boring working out on your own day after day. You'd rather be here working out with other guys. You get to throw the ball around. You get, you know, for, for the offensive guys, yep. at least the skill set position guys, they can't really do that here right now. Right. So that'll be their opportunity to do that. And if you have some really important life event, like uh, your brother is getting married or something like that, maybe they'd let you skip a day or whatever. They'll well, have he, to let you. He would would probably know that that's not a good time to schedule a wedding. I would think well, if y'all are close. Well, yeah, but sometimes there's no way to avoid it. You know, my brother actually moved his wedding date for me. He did? Oh, yeah, because I had uh, – it was in September, and I had a, I was at Central Michigan at the time, and I said, well, look, I got a game, and I'm not missing the game. So You said that oh, yeah. to your brother. He's like, what are you talking about? Just get somebody else to do it. Like, you don't understand. I'm not missing a game. You know, I'll miss a game if my child is born or a loved one dies. So unless you're planning on dying. Or you yourself are getting married. Or I myself am dying. <laughs> so there, those, are the, those are the only reasons why I would miss a game. Or if I'm that sick. You know, I was ill over the weekend, right? And one of my friends asked me, would you have done the game? And For sure you would Easter have. Sunday, I was, pr- I was pretty bad, okay? I uh-huh. was pretty bad. But I would have done the you game. You would have done the game. I'm not saying it would have been good. I once did a game with food poisoning <laughs> at St. Bonaventure. I did a basketball game when I was at UMass with food poisoning, and it was not very good, but I did it. I got on the air and I did it. Now, at some point, you're hurting the team. I'll put that in air quotes. Hurting the team by being on the air, but I don't care. I got to do the you game. You don't care about the team. What, what's the sickest you've ever been with the Texans and Dead and Like game? doing a game. There have been a couple of times that I've been pretty bad, but not bad enough to miss obviously so never like uh excuse me i have to go pray to the porcelain god that's never happened okay no the like game. bad flu or anything like no nah, but i felt you know you're sick or whatever and you just grind through i've been sick going on the road and you know in the plane like ugh, just get me to the hotel and just get through it next day though you know the adrenaline adrenaline of doing a game does carry me through a lot of things i mean i don't know it's there's something about it there's something magical that's true last year actually i had strep throat 
in Seattle. I didn't know I had strep throat. I just felt really miserable. Movie. Strep throat in Seattle. Strep throat starring in Seattle. Starring Meg Ryan. The, the lesser known movie, romantic comedy. But yeah, you're right. You you get through the day. I remember feeling like it was really cold in that press box. And the Starbucks just wasn't doing it for me. And there was a barista. So it was a really nice There press was a box. barista in the Seattle yes, press box. That's there was. True. And I couldn't take nice full touch. advantage of that because I was too sick to walk over there. But I just thought, mm-hmm. no, it's just really cold. I'll just sit here with my coat on. And then I went to the doctor two days later, had strep throat. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah, you know when the AC or whatever draft is affecting you that much, you're probably not feeling well. <laughs> anyway, enough about that. So tell me something. You do a weekly thing called Likes and Stuff I on do. video, and it's on Texans 360. It's on all our media platforms, social and otherwise. And also, you do this weekly column now called the week slant as opposed to the deep slant because it's all the stuff that goes on during the week, right? Yeah, that's a lot of fun. Actually, I need to get back into it some more because now is really the best time to do these sort of columns because everybody's on social media. You know, the football stories sort of taper off, but the other stuff is in full swing. And, yeah. Jay, you know, we've got some really great players that are very active on social media. Tyron Matthews very active, Deshaun, JJ, obviously. And I feel like this this younger group of players is always on social media. So it's kind of fun to write about just sort of the off-the-beaten track lifestyle sort mm-hmm. of stuff that happens in the building. Sometimes I'll throw some football things in there too. But I like to sort of editorialize, and I don't, <laughs> I don't think Bill O'Brien would – enjoy my editorializing on the oh. actual game oh on the game no so yeah so in the off season i like to do that and, and it's sort of like a fun column but it's called the week slant um we we had a different name for it yeah we did we changed it because i really wanted to no mark you... mark, mark wanted a different name so now it's changed so <laughs> eh, then we... it's okay look <laughs> but, I... but, but that's beside the point well did i or did i not do this democratically you did. I did not make an executive decision on you the You first name. you did, and then everybody disagreed with it. <laughs> so I actually I said, abstained from the vote, and then in our our weekly meeting, you put it to a vote. Yeah, it was either and the week slant <laughs> or seen and heard, which we had been using for like a week or so. I used it for a few weeks, yes. H-E-R-D, seen and heard, or week slant, which is a play on deep slant, but I thought it sounded weak. But anyway, everybody liked it better, so we went with it. Actually, and- Drew Doherty came up with it, and Drew Doherty, I actually came up with Dear Drew, and he came up with Weak Slant. So sometimes we come up with great ideas for each other. You guys help each other out. We do help each other out. And uh, last week, the most read stories on HoustonTexans.com, I have this because we were talking about various things at the owners' meetings, like how Tyron Matthew would fit in. But really the health of Watson and Watt are the biggest stories. Whenever you get an availability with the coach or the general manager, the media is going to ask that first, and those questions were asked of Bill O'Brien. Yeah, and I feel like we've talked about Deshaun Watson's health this entire offseason. I feel like everybody should be on the same page, but yet anytime even another nugget of information comes out, mm-hmm. people are so invested and so interested. I, I You can see why, obviously. Of when course. I'm out and about, I'm sure you get the same thing. The first thing people ask me, is Deshaun Watson going to be healthy? How is he doing? Yep. And the second one is, is J.J. Watt going to be back for mm-hmm. the 2018 season? Those are the two most common questions. People Poor are, Whitney. <laughs> if there was, if JJ was healthy or Deshaun was healthy, I'm sure Whitney would be right up there. Well, I think with Whitney, people just assume it's going to be fine. It's a peck, you know what I mean? Ah, it'll heal. It'll be okay. It's and it's it. You know, a peck can be. I guess it is always. A, isn't it always a season-ending injury? If if you, I believe tear so. a muscle there. I mean, that's a major. Yeah. You know, that's a major muscle group that you need for a lot of things. You but. need you need time, I think, and it heals. It's not like you know you're you're putting a lot of weight on it or so. I don't know how to define it medically, but. Nobody seems concerned about Whitney. <laughs> or Deontay Foreman. Johnny and I were talking about players 
offensive players we're excited to see back on the field that are not number four, number ten. And I said Deontay Foreman is the Absolutely. guy that I can't wait to see back on the field. People, it's like we had so many injuries last year that you know you have to almost prioritize which ones you want to see back. But it's going to be a brand new team. I feel like by the end of last season, we had so many numbers that were in use. I couldn't even tell you who was what number. We had so many different players coming in and out of the building. Different. I mean, we had some numbers used three times during the season. When you For have 78 players. players, you're going to have that because the NFL limits what kind of numbers you can use, obviously, by position group. And it's a great point. The other thing is during training camp, you know, OTAs to a lesser degree, but during camp, I'm going to be sweating it out every day, just hoping guys get through the day healthy. Because that's, yes. you know, you want them to improve and practice, obviously, duh. But what I want to see is get to the starting line with a healthy 53, the one you want, you know what I mean? It's not going to happen because invariably guys get hurt, but wow. I mean, after everything this team's been through, they deserve some good luck. You know what I'm excited about? Deshaun Watson in OTAs. Bill O'Brien did say that at the owners' meeting. You were there He'll do some well. stuff. He'll do some stuff. I don't care what that stuff is, but I think everyone's going to be excited to see Deshaun Watson on the field with his teammates with a ball in his hand. It doesn't matter what, what you want to call OTAs, mm-hmm. but people are going to be really excited to see that. And that first video uh, of the highlight from, from practice. Oh, of him throwing a football. Of him throwing Children football. singing and <laughs> angels weeping. And, oh, my gosh, Texans fans so happy. It, it, is, it is so exciting. Because you see what the Astros are doing. You see what the Rockets are doing. And the Texans are right there in the mix and definitely want to be a part of that, too. And mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson being healthy. J.J. being healthy. Hopefully no hurricanes this year because last year was just – the whole season was off to a Devastating start. in every possible way. Yeah. DB, thanks a lot. Thanks, Mark. That is going to do it for the show tonight. Thank you, John Harris. Thank you, DB. Galat at Night is coming up next. Have a great evening and go Texans.